All right, if you've got a Bible, meet me in John chapter 5. We're going to be in John chapter 5. But before we do, I want to think about religious people for a minute. Come on, how many of you know somebody who's religious? You're not going to raise your hand because you are religious. <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you weren't. But think about it. I was convicted last night. I was at the lightning game. It was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. But I was convicted because... You know, we we sit here and we sing and I think about those words and I actually believe those words, actually believe that not only is God real, but that God can change your life. What's interesting about that, though, is for some of us, myself included, and I'm talking about myself right now, and you can determine if this is for you or not. But for those of us who are religious, I sat there last night and there's like a tinge of my voice that's not here today. So I was screaming like a maniac at the horrible refereeing. But that's not what the term's about today. It could be, but it's not. And I was just struck this morning, just reflecting on that, looking at my notes and reading my Bible and just thinking about what we were, talk- we're going to talk about today. And I was... Reminded that there is for many of us a gulf. I wouldn't even call it a gap. In what we believe and what we live. And I was thinking about that when when we come and we think about what a religious person is. And Jesus is in our story today talking to religious people, religious leaders, Jewish Leaders, And in his interaction with them, we learn a lot about how Jesus wants us to live. I think it's interesting that the, also, the uh, opposite can also be true. We can get so caught up in what we think we know that we end up not living the things that we know. If there was a stigma for the religious person, it's that we would be out of touch with reality. That we would be out of touch with a real lived experience. That we would be in some kind of bubble that's disconnected from what is actually happening in the world. I look back on my own experience growing up. How many of you know if you didn't go to church four times a week growing up, you weren't, are you even a Christian? Do I have any of those in here? I know there's a few. You're willing to admit it is the question. Right. I'm mostly kidding, but not really. But for real, like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then chapel at the Christian school I went to. Come on, somebody can get an amen in church today. But somewhere along the way, right, we get religious. We get religious about it. The line between really following Jesus and checking the boxes gets blurred. Isn't it fascinating when somebody first surrenders their life to Jesus, they're so excited about it. And then reality comes where following Jesus requires the things that Jesus said, right? Like lay down your life for the good of others and you'll find it. That if I gain the whole world but lose my soul, I actually have nothing Jesus himself in John chapter 5 says, on my own I can do nothing. What was he referencing? 
being in relationship with the Father. So interesting. Quick story. This is free. Speaking about being religious, one of the, uh, your boy's an introvert. Did you know that it's easier to stand up here and talk to you like this than it is to like have a one-on-one conversation with you? I'm willing to do that because I love you. But you should just know that when you're an introvert, like, you just don't like that. So like when I was a kid, my dad will get a kick out of this. I don't even know. I can't remember the guy's name, so maybe you will. But it's always interesting when your parents are sitting in the room that you're preaching in. Good times. Good times. But there, there was this guy when I was a little kid who was at our church and he would keep a pocket full of candy. And what, what he was trying to do was he would come up to the kids and he would say, like, tell me a Bible verse or what'd you learn in Sunday school today? Stuff like this. And like you had you if you answered it correctly, you'd like get a piece of candy. And so like, A, I was terrified because I did not want to talk to this man. He was scary. He was old. And, you know, when you're like four or five, you're like, what's old? It's all relative to me now. OK, I understand that. But I didn't then. And so, like, I would dread that this guy would come around the corner. And not only that, but this is the part I really wanted to tell. He, his pocket would be full of this kind of candy. Jordan, put up the first picture for me. I mean, if there is a sin, can I get an amen in the church, in the chat online? No, you don't come give me Bible trivia and then pull that stuff out. Come on, man. That should be on Sports Center. Come on, man. But it it can get worse. Did you know this? I'd come back the next Sunday and this is what he'd have in his pocket. Come on, give me the next one. Oh. My mother-in-law's watching online and I think she likes these and I rebuke that. Somewhere along the line we get, and I'm having fun with this, but, but don't you know that somewhere along the line we get religious about things and we start to do the things that Jesus was never after. And while I'm having fun with that, but I, I want you to know that our text today boils down to that scenario. Now, I don't think he was wrong for doing that, so don't, don't get me wrong. That was a lot of fun. But there is a sense, and Jesus goes directly to the heart of those of us that are religious today. Because what Jesus is not after is not Bible trivia genius Christians. He's not actually after that. In fact, we can know everything that there is to know and miss Jesus. So that's where we're at. And I, and I recognize, like, even as I stand up here, just just in our little group, like your upbringing and your experience in church is vastly different. It could be all over the place. Maybe you grew up Catholic or Mormon or uh, Baptist or Lutheran or you fill in the blanket. We, we, or maybe you didn't go to church at all. Maybe this is your first experience. It could be all over the place of what it means to be religious. And I get that. I would actually include those of us at the game last night. We're worshiping in that moment. You know, it's interesting. Somebody asked me a question a couple weeks ago about like, they, had, they hadn't really done church a lot. And they said like, why do people lift their hands? 
Like, why do people raise their hands when we sing? Like, what's that all about? And I was like, well, have you ever been to, like, a college football game? We praise what we value, don't we? It's really not that strange if you think about it. When you go to a concert, Coachella happened over the... Did I say it right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. Got a teenager now. Got to get up, get up with the times, man. If you watch things like that, we we do this in life all over the place. We we know how to worship. We just worship a lot of different things. And so what Jesus is coming to and and listen, I'm not just picking on religious people today. In the in the previous weeks, you can catch up on YouTube or on the podcast, Jesus has addressed people who aren't religious. And his interaction with them tell us a lot about how he is and who he is and what he's looking for and what he offers. Today, though, we're talking about us. We're talking about religious people. And the question that comes out of that, when you think about all the bags that we bring to church from whatever upbringing you had or whatever your religious experience was or whatever it is, whether those are good bags, traumatic bags, heavy bags, whatever you bring to the table, Jesus is going to come right into that space and he has something very poignant to say to those of us who are religious. And so we learn a lot about Jesus when he gets around other people, just like we learn about each other when we get around other people. You see, we're great on our own, we've been saying, (laughs) but you put us around people, we find out what you're really like. So last week we looked at Jesus' interaction with a handicapped man who couldn't get to the pool of Bethesda to be healed when the water stirred. That begs a lot of questions if you weren't here last week. You can go listen to that. There's a lot happening there. But Jesus asked him a really penetrating question to his belief system. And the thing last week was Jesus said, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? And it seems extremely obvious to a handicapped man, but you can catch up on that. But it's on the heels of that interaction. It's in that same story that Jesus also leans in with the religious people, with the Jewish leaders of the time. And I want to show you what that key detail was. So in John chapter 5, verse 16, here's what the Bible says. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen for you. It says this, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried to kill him. They tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You see, there's a dangerous place. Did you, did you catch that? that? They were... So unfocused on the fact that the man was healed, that they couldn't celebrate that people were being healed. You see, there's this dangerous place for those of us who are religious, where the rules take over the relationship. Where the process becomes more important than the people. 
You see, and what Jesus is doing here is, you know, don't think it was any accident that he showed up at the pool of Bethesda and healed this guy on the Sabbath. Don't think that was an accident. He's confronting both groups of people here. Someone who would, who would be outside of belief in Jesus and somebody who would be the expert on somebody following Jesus. And so here, here we are because Jesus chose to heal this man on the Sabbath that no longer mattered that the man was healed. It was that Jesus broke the rules. And I don't doubt that both of those groups are sitting right here. And I think for those of us who are religious, like we, we have to get honest with ourselves, right? We have to ask ourselves the question when we look around, when we watch the news, when we get on Twitter, when we get on TikTok or whatever it is you do, wherever it is you get your information, wherever it is you get the things that rile you up, what is the overflow of your heart? Because there is something that Jesus is after to overflow out of the life of his people. There's no doubt that some of you sit here and you feel like you don't fit into the whole religious thing because you've been far from God. And on the other hand, there's probably those of us who have been following God since we were able to breathe. (laughs) Getting candy from the old people at church. But but can I just tell you that in the eyes of Jesus, it doesn't matter which one of those groups you come into, that the truth is, is that what happens when Jesus steps into the picture is that both groups are laid even at his feet. We all need the same thing. Him. And so then Jesus comes and he responds to those accusations from those leaders. And here's what he says in verse 33. He says, you have sent sent to John... And he has testified to the truth. We covered that a few weeks ago. That without a standard of truth, there's chaos. We look around our world and there's no answers to the problems that we have. We've been mentioning each week that just in this calendar year, 129 mass shootings, we need better answers. Right? And they're not going to come from politics. They're going to come from people. They're going to come from people loving people. And so, verse 35, John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy that light. Chose for a time to enjoy that light. But listen to what Jesus says here, and this is where I want you to lean in. He says, I have a testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. He's just laying a foundation for these Jewish leaders that he's legit. That he is, in fact, the one that they've been looking for. And there's a lot we could dive into there, but I don't want this turned into seminary class. But here's what it says. And the father who sent me has testified concerning me. See, because even though he was standing right in front of them, they struggled to believe he was real. Just just like today, you might find yourself sitting here and you're like, man, I want Jesus to be real so bad. But I, I just I don't get it. I don't believe in it. I don't see it. And I, he would understand that. And the Father who sent me, you've never heard his voice or seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. Now remember, these are religious people. These are people that already bought in. (laughs) They're already on the team, right? Nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. But we we covered all that to to get to this verse right here. Look at verse 39. And for those of us who are religious... 
This is where Jesus goes just under the surface to challenge the assumptions that we've always held. And it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Look at what he says. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them that you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet, you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, we tend as religious people to think that that scripture that says, man, what would it look like if you gained the whole world but lost your soul is for those people. When in reality, it's just as much for us people. Because we're all people made in God's image. And the parallels of this scene to our own moment are striking. You have this man who cannot walk, who is not religious, who is in desperate need of healing, who meets Jesus and finds life. While simultaneously, you have Jewish leaders who have the scriptures, who have the testimony, who are supposed to be experts on the Messiah coming. Miss the entire point and refuse to Jesus to come to life. And so in reality, it's the religious people that miss Jesus. And it's the unreligious person that finds Jesus. Per usual, Jesus drills below the surface to the real issue. And my question for you today is what happens when religion loses its relationship with Jesus? We start caring about things that don't matter, if I can just say it bluntly. But let me ask you this. How do I know if that's me? <laughs> how do I know if that's me? How do I know if Jesus is in me? Jesus answers that question in verse 42. Here's the thing. It's really not about you knowing anything. Look at what he says in verse 42. He says, but I, what? He says, but I know you. <laughs> See, there's this misconception in a lot of our minds that I will go and save myself by believing in Jesus. When in reality, that's not really whatever happens, right? It's in reality that God comes after you. You see, that religious person thought he was going to find life by knowing more. The lame man thought he was going to find life by getting to this pool, when in reality, neither one of them had life. And in reality, if you're trying to do a lot of good things, you're not going to find life. If you're living life on your own terms, without God's terms, you're not going to find life. There's not actually freedom in any of those places. But then look at what he says. He says, but I know you... And here's what he says to the religious leaders. He says, I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. You see, it always comes back to love, doesn't it? You see, the, the com most complicated stories in the Bible always point back to this idea that if we are God's kids, we're going to love people. And I'm not so convinced that that's the story that gets told about God's church in the world right now. And maybe this is just in our own country. Because we've, we've gotten saddled with a lot of other things like politics and other issues that fall under that umbrella. 
instead of backing out and saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't actually think any of that's the answer. I think all of those people are made in God's image and he loves them. And the scripture says that he actually died for them because he loves them and wants to see them have life. We're not, we're not actually choosing sides here. But then look at what he says in the next couple of verses and I'll be done. He says this in verse 45, he says, but do not think I will accuse you before the father. Remember he said in John three, he said that Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved, be rescued. That was Easter. He said, your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. What does that mean? It means the law. It means all the rules. Moses was the guy who wrote the law. So for these Jewish guys, that was the answer. It was knowing all the things. But Jesus says, if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. You see, the only thing that the law does is hold up a mirror in front of you and help you know that you need Jesus. That's it. The Lutherans say it's God's hammer. (laughs) I love that. We need that, don't we? We need to know that we don't have the answers. Because in our culture, we're tempted to think that we do. And so here's Jesus telling them that this is not true. And he says, but since you do not believe that what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? But the question for us is really boils down to that question, doesn't it? What do you believe in? What do you believe in? What do you trust in? So there's a lot of religions out there, and I think we're all religious. <laughs> I think every one of us is religious. But what do you believe in? Easier way to think about that is, where's your hope set? Where do you get hope? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Hope can lead to a lot of joy in your life. In fact, I think there's studies that even look at what hope does to the human heart, what hope does to the human soul. But the barometer for those of us following Jesus is always love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says these three remain faith, hope, and love. But you know that you know it if you've been around here at all. But the greatest is what? Love. We don't come to church just to get something good. We don't come to church just to get something out of the experience. We don't come just to consume. It's an entirely different posture to come to church and enter into a community of people to receive something from God. But we said last week what's so fascinating is that so many of us, we show up to receive something from God with no intentions that will ever change us. <laughs> when he has every intention of changing us. You know, even just, you know, we think about the mass shootings. I I was just reading the accounts of, and then the responses to the accounts of the shooting that happened. I don't even remember where it was, but of the boy, Ralph Yarl. And it just like, take, take all the stuff out of it and just look at the humans that were involved. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking that love is not our first response it's it's just a reminder to me that we need something different and it's on us as the church to lead the way it's not on us to choose a side it's on us to step in and love people i mean i felt so convicted i felt convicted about that last night 
Because the answers that our secular moment is giving to us are dreadfully short of what we need. And the answers that religion, past, present, are dreadfully short. Where's your hope set? I want to suggest to you to set it in Jesus, but then on the back side of that, what do we do with a hope set in Jesus? What does that actually look like? We set it in following his ways. Listen to this quote by Dallas Willard. He wrote this in his book, Renovation of the Heart. He said this, he said, we don't believe something by merely believing, by merely saying that we believe it. Or even when we believe that we believe it. (laughs) We believe something, listen to me, when we act as if it were true. So, when Jesus says in John 17 that it's by our love for one another that people will know that God is real. What does the world see from the church? What does the world see from the religious people? I would suggest that at this moment, the church, at least in our own country, has a PR problem. We need to change the narrative. Because it's always boils back to love. It doesn't matter if somebody disagrees with what you think. It matters how you act towards somebody who disagrees with what you think. What a fascinating thing. You search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And yet you refuse to come to me and have life. What a tragedy that those of us who have all the answers would miss the answer. Does that make sense? We're not really following Jesus if we don't act as if what he said is true. So I want to just end our service a little different today. I'm going to have the guys come back up and and play some music over you. And I think we need to linger in that for a minute. But we live in a culture that is always on to the next. Got it, pastor. I'm going to start living it. Bam, we're out to lunch, screaming at our kids. Oh, that's just me. Sorry. (laughs) That's just me. Pray for me. Traffic and kids. If it wasn't for that, I'd be a saint. (laughs) No amens? Come on, don't leave your boy hanging. I know you. But think about it. Even in that silly example, right? Like, I don't yet fully believe. Even as your pastor, I just, I stand here as one who needs Jesus. I don't yet fully believe. Because I'm not fully acting. But it's not because I'm not doing enough. (laughs) It's so counterintuitive, isn't it? I actually need to do less so that I can see Jesus do more. Because what does the scripture say? It's God who works in you both for his goodwill and good pleasure. You will do things. But it will be from an entirely different posture. Make no mistake about it. 
When we put our hope in Jesus, it leads to love. So we come full circle back to what is the overflow of your heart? It's the barometer by which we know and by which everybody else around us will know. It's by our love for people. So let's fix the PR problem. Let's lay our stuff down. Let's take our hobby horses and lay them down. Let's take our soap boxes and lay them down. Let's care a little bit less about the pundits and let's care a little bit more about the people. God will do the changing and transforming. We don't have to do that. You don't got to change anybody. We just got to surrender and ask God to change us. And here's the great part. He's so good that he will. He's so good that he'll do it. But part of his goodness is letting you get to the end of your rope so that you can find him. So I I literally, just today, like this may be the only moment of peace that you get this week. If your schedule is anything like ours, you got you got stuff going on like in like 30 minutes. We'll be on on to the next. So if, if we should, if we should ever be able to find a spot where we can be at peace, right? Jesus says that you could have with His people an anchor for your soul, right? Like I'm I'm not looking to anchor your schedule. I'm looking to anchor your soul. And when your soul finds peace, then the rest of it will find peace. So I don't know about you, but I need that moment. So I'm just going to ask them to just play over us for just a minute or two. And I would just encourage you to take a deep breath. Lay your shoulders down. And take a moment to think or pray or meditate on the Lord. And just take this one moment with Jesus. Does that make sense? Let's just take this moment and then in just a minute, Kevin will lead us in another song to close out our time. Fair enough? Let's take this moment and spend it with the Lord.